this morning, I have no slides, which uh, that was on purpose, but I am going to give you, I was, I've been praying about it, and I, I titled this, What Do You Do When You Don't Know What To Do? You know, if you, if you've, if you haven't had that happen to you in the past year, I guarantee you it's probably going to happen. I can't tell you it's going to happen this year or next year, but there is going to be times when something's going to happen and you're just not going to know what to do. So I'm usually not a formula guy, but I'm actually going to give you seven steps today to help you figure out what to do when you don't know what to do. So I'm pretty excited uh, about this. Now, if you have a Bible, open it to Second Chronicles 20. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. One of the ushers will bring you one. Now, I'll give you a little bit of background. In 2 Chronicles 20, Jehoshaphat had just come back from making a pretty big mistake. He had aligned himself with the wicked Ahab. Now, if, if, you've, if you've ever read through Chronicles, it it's, uh, always amazes me as I read through it every year that it's either the king followed in the footsteps of David and Abraham or the kings followed in the footsteps of the wicked ones and did their own thing. So Ahab was one of the wicked kings. Jehoshaphat was actually one of the righteous kings and tried to follow in the ways of, of God. But in chapters 18 and 19, he ran off to go meet up with Ahab for some reason. And um, they were going to... Ahab decided he wanted to go to war. You know, that's kind of the way they did things back then, right? If they wanted to expand their territory, they just figured out who the next person was or next the kingdom was, and they'd go attack the kingdom and take over all, kill all the men, take all the women and children and, and all their gold and everything, and that's how they expanded their kingdom. So Ahab decides he's going to do this. And he asked Jehoshaphat to come with him. And for some reason, Jehoshaphat says, oh yeah, let's do it. But is there a prophet of the Lord that can come and, and talk to us? And it's interesting because Ahab said, well, there is one prophet, but he never says anything good about me. So I really don't want him to come talk. But uh, Ahab, or Jehoshaphat told Ahab, no, no, you really need to, well, let's go ask him to come. So when you get a chance, go back and read. I won't go through the whole story, but... The, um, the prophet comes and says, yeah, you really shouldn't go do this. But for some reason, they decide to go do it anyway. So Ahab gets killed. Jehoshaphat almost gets killed. And then so now we come into chapter 20. So let's, let's start with uh, verse 1. So after this, the Moabites and Ammonites and some of the Minyanites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Now, I'll take a quick break there. The Moabites and Ammonites, if you're not familiar with where they came from, you look back in Genesis 19, it talks about where Lot, remember how Lot was living in uh, Sodom and Gomorrah? God miraculously saved him, his wife, and his two daughters. Uh, the wife looked back because she longed for that lifestyle, she died. And then so Lot ended up with just his two daughters. So they went, to, they went to a town that God told them they could go to. He felt scared for his life. So he decided to go live in a cave with his two daughters. Now, 
you got to remember back in those days that if a woman did not have a husband or a father or children, male children, then they really didn't have much of a chance once their father passed away or their husband passed away or, the, or if they didn't have any male children. So the Moabites and Ammonites actually came from his daughters getting their father drunk and they, they became pregnant from their father because that was the only choice they felt that they had. So I just want to give you that little bit of insight that one, one neat thing about the Bible is God never hides the ugly. You know, he shows us everything because God always has a plan no matter what happens. So let's continue in verse 2. Uh, some of the people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Hazaron Tamar, that is in Gedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. So, at some point in our life, we're going to figure out we're in trouble. You know, this will happen in this case. They knew that if a vast army was coming and they weren't strong enough to fight them off, they didn't have much of a chance. So, Jehoshaphat figured out he was in trouble and his whole kingdom was in trouble. But I really like what he did um, in verse, eight, verse 5. It says, Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah. In Jerusalem, at the temple of the Lord, in front of the new courtyard, and said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hands, and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel, and gave it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built, it, built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. So Jehoshaphat was going, he, he, was, he was figuring out, Okay, I'm in trouble. Now I've got to go to God, and he's establishing his standing with God. You know, he, he says, and he's not doing it for God's sake. He's doing it for his sake, and it's for his people's sake, to let them know that they have been blessed and that God's in control. Now, with each of us, if we're believers, Jesus Christ has opened the doorway for us to be able to enter into the presence of Father. So whenever that army is coming against us and we have no idea what to do, then all we have to do is stand up and say, Father, I'm in trouble here. Jesus Christ has already made the way for me to come into your presence. So I'm coming into your presence. And again, it's not so God, it's not so we have to convince God. He already knows that. But a lot of times I have to tell myself over and over again that no matter what's going on, God's still in control. God still cares. God still has, I still have a relationship with him. So in verse 10, 
says, but now, here, so now he's laying out the problem. Okay, so he's, he's set up, okay, I've got a relationship with you, God. Now I'm going to give you the problem. But now, here are the men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us for coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. We can't fight these folks. You know, many times when we get into our problems, we have no idea how to solve them. And guess what? That's exactly where God wants us. He wants us looking to him for the answers. He wants us to be able to lay that out there and say, okay, God, I don't know what's going on. Whether, whether I brought this on myself or I'm being unjustly uh, uh, persecuted or whatever the problem is, God, here's the problem. So I'm looking to you for the answer. So verse 13, all the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. So if you're able, I want you to stand up for just a minute. I want to just stand in the presence of the Lord. He is here. You know, whenever whenever we are in uh, the presence of someone famous or someone mighty or whatever, we stand. So I just want to take just a minute to pray because we are in the presence of the Lord. Father, we are in your presence. I thank you, Holy Spirit. We stand in honor of you. Lord, I lift each person here to you that may be in that very place of not knowing what to do. I lift them to you right now and pray that they will turn to you with expectation and look to you for the answer. So, Lord, we do stand and we wait on you to move. Holy Spirit, we ask you to move in a mighty way. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So all the, so everybody's standing around. Jehoshaphat has laid out the problem. And now they're just waiting on God to do something. So verse 14. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mathathiah. Nathan, you're going to have to say all these names. A Levite and descendant of Asaph, and he stood in the assembly. He said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. 
Take your postings, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. The Lord will be with you. You That's pretty amazing because if you think about it, most of these folks would probably be saying, you know, but really I should be staying here and building the gates up, making sure all the, uh, all the spears are ready to go, all the arrows are ready so that we can just protect our, home, our homeland. But God says, no, I want you, puny little army, to go out and meet this big army. So that took a tremendous amount of faith to do that. And sometimes God's going to call you to step out and go out and meet that after he has spoken to you and said, I got this. I got this. It's all under control. So verse 18, Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down and worshiped before the Lord. Then some Levites from from the Kohathites and Korathites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of heaven, with a very loud voice. They got their answer that they needed, and the first thing they did was praise the Lord for what he had told them. Now, nothing had happened yet. You know, as far as they knew, that army was still coming, but they had heard from God, and he moved mightily. Look at verse 20. It says, early in the morning, they got up, they did exactly what God told them to do. Early in the morning, they, they left for the desert of Tekoa. They set out. Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in the prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. Now, can you picture that? Here's the king. He knows that his army is much smaller than the one they're going out to meet, and he's standing in the gate encouraging his army to, st- to let's go, let's go. You know, he's being, the, he's being the coach. He's being their cheerleader, telling them to have faith in God. But then he, sets, he's, he appoints people to go in front of them to praise and to worship God and to, and to allow God to, to know that they believe in him. So let's see what God does. As they begin to sing and to praise, now they have no idea this is going on. Verse 22, as they begin to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were, invaded Judah, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and alienate them, annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped destroy one another. That's pretty amazing. All because they started praising God. Now, can you imagine? Here, here's these three sets of people. They've all joined together to let, hey, let's go take care of this easy uh, picking Judah. They got lots of gold and, and women and children, and let's go defeat them. So I can just, you know, I was thinking about this morning a little bit. I can just imagine. Somebody from Mount Seir smarted off to somebody, one of the Ammonites, and they got in a big argument. And before you know it, they're fighting and, and, and beating on each other. And then the Ammonites and the Moabites 
that wasn't good enough. They, they got mad at each other. And before you know it, they're all gone. So look at 24, verse 24. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off the plunder, and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing, also articles of value, more than they could take away. Matter of fact, there was so much plunder, it took three days to collect it. And on the fourth day, fourth day they assembled in the valley of Berakha, where they praised the Lord. This is, this is why it is called the Valley of Berakha to this day. God did all the work. All they had to do was go pick up the spoils. And then it took three days to get it all. I mean, it's just, it's just amazing to me. I can see that over and over in my life, that as times have, have not gone the way I thought they should go, when I've turned them over to the Lord, he takes care of that. And he doesn't always do it the way I think it ought to be done, because usually I have a pretty good list of, God, I really think you should take care of this this way. And, but he always amazes me because he takes care of it. He just does, does it a much different way than I would. So verse 27. Then led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem. For the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lyres and trumpets. The first thing they did when they came back was they went back to the temple and went and thanked the Lord for the great miracle that he had done. So I, I want to encourage you that as God answers your prayer, let's not forget. Let's go right back and say, okay, God, thanks for what you did. Verse 29, the fear of the Lord came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel and the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for his God had given him rest on every side. So let's recap here. I'll give you the seven steps now. The first one is we've got to recognize there's a problem. And usually that's not too hard. Either somebody comes and tells you, or you just know, I've got a problem. Second step is, I've got to know who to go to for help. So we know we can go to God for help. If we're a believer, we, Jesus Christ has opened the doorway for us to go in to the throne room of God. Third step is, when we're there, we say, Jesus, you made the way for me. Thank you. And again, that's to remind me of that. That I'm not out here on my own trying to fight this battle, trying to figure out how, what to do with this. The next step is I lay out the problem. So I go in with praise and thanksgiving. I lay out the problem. God wants to hear the problem. Now, it's not because he doesn't know. I keep saying that. It's not because God doesn't know. He wants, us, he wants to hear it from us. He loves to hear problems. From us, because he knows that we're relying on him to take care of it. And this, this step is the hardest step of all, is to wait 
for God to answer. I don't like to wait. Especially in today's world where you ask me any question, I can Google it. I can get you the answer because we are an instant society. We want to know exactly the answer right this second. And a lot of times we don't want to work and wait for it. The next step is once we wait and God speaks, then we have to do what God tells us to do. And it's not just do it, well, okay, God, I'll do it. But what, what was the model? They did it by praise and thanksgiving. They were thankful for God. They, they, as far as they knew, they were heading to their death. But they were heading out knowing and thanking God that he was in control. The next step is watch and see God take care of the situation. So as we walk forward in faith and as we, as we carry on with God, we're going to see him do a great thing. And then finally, once God does it, let's not forget. Let's come back and let's praise him and thank him for all that he's done and all that he's going to do. One other thing I want to encourage you with, there, you know, the one, the one uh, <clears throat> prophet that stood up was sensitive to the leading of the Spirit. One of the things that, that Pastor Nathan and the other elders we've really been in prayer about is the, the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit working in each of our lives. God has a great work for each one of you to do. He wants us to be sensitive to his Spirit. And he wants us to listen to him because who knows, there may be someone here today that God wants you to go over and speak a word of encouragement to. And the Holy Spirit will make that clear. Just this, just this week, Julie and I, a brother came and said, hey, I got, I got a word for you. And it was right on. I mean, it was, ama- it was, it was amazing that God came and, and shared with us in that way. So I look so forward to, as Pastor Nathan teaches over the coming weeks on the Holy Spirit and prepares us to be listening to Holy Spirit and listening to what God's going to do, we're going to see great things happen. We're going to hear lots of wonderful faith stories about how the Holy Spirit is working in people's lives because God's got a mission for each one of you and us as a body called New Life Fellowship. God wants us to be a light here in this community. God wants this place filled up with people that don't know him, but but then do do know him because of what God's doing. You know, we're we're doing the um, Chowder Fest. Be in prayer for that. It's amazing. Chocolate and cookies and the prayer table will be set up, but... You know, that's just to get them, in the, get them in the door. It's Holy Spirit that's going to do the work in their life. So I really would encourage you all to be praying for that. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up and uh, close, close us. I'm going to pray for us. And, um, and then if you need prayer afterwards, please come up. Uh, Pastor Nathan's here. Uh, Aaron. Uh, I'm here. There's several other folks that would love to pray with you. So if you need prayer today, if you're in that place, if you just don't know what to do, we want to pray with you for that. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you uh, for your word today. Thank you for your incredible grace and mercy.
Lord, even when I get myself in trouble and I have to pay the consequences, you still have mercy on me and you still work things out. So, Lord, I lift up each person here to you today as we praise and worship you. I pray that you will move ahead in these situations that they are struggling in. Thank you for the victory. Thank you for the work that you're doing. We commit it all to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I bless you in the name of Jesus. I pray that you will go out and um, allow God to work in you in a mighty way. So go and be the church. Have a great week.